Hello, friends. Welcome aboard the Round Trip Stories podcast, where we share stories of moving around the world and back again, reflecting on the lessons we've learned along the way. My name is Tracy. And my name is Melissa. And we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. Welcome back to part two of our interview with Tracy Villanova, international educator and mom of three boys. In part one, Tracy shared about how she felt like herself again through layers of adjustment after living in China. After moving back to California, it took her more years than she expected to find where she fit again. With the support of family, new friends, and lots of time, she continues to look for opportunities to use the global perspective she developed while living abroad. Let's listen and learn as she shares her stories about adjusting back to life in California and finding ways to cherish her family's memories of their time in China. So buckle your seatbelts and make sure your tray tables and seats are in their upright positions as part two of Tracy's round trip story gets ready for takeoff. Okay, so we are on the return trip now. So tell us now when and why you ended up leaving China and uh, where did you come back to? And then what did you do at that point? Okay. Well, like I had mentioned previously, um, my husband and I agreed together that we would just do two more years of that um, contract. And so we at by the end of that contract it had been 8 years in China and we were ready to move somewhere else so it didn't exactly we didn't really think that we were going to come back to the United States we applied um for other jobs in international schools all over the world actually um but it just wasn't working out and um mm. but what did work out was him becoming employed again with the county of Fresno back in central California. And that was his great job that he got and brought us back to Fresno. And hmm. um, our family is here. Both sides of our family is here in Fresno, are here in Fresno. And it's it's been great because we've, um, we're back with family. Um, but it wasn't what we were intending to do. It just, that's where he got the job. And we're we're back. Yeah. And so what year was it? So in the summer of 2017, we moved back. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I'm adjusted now. (laughs) Okay. So tell us um, or remind me, how old were your kids when you left China? Oh, okay. Great question. Okay. So um, when we got back, but uh, my oldest went into fifth grade. My Second went into fourth grade, and my little one went into first grade. So tell us, um, tell us a story about your initial re-entry, um, your transition back into life here in the U.S. Yes. Well, we were so busy, you know, coming back and like figuring out where we were going to live, figuring out where the kids were going to go to school. That was a harder decision and just more complicated than I I imagined because we had never 
had our kids in school in the U.S., and our schools in China were always determined by where we were employed, and so it was a very easy decision, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but here, I mean, schools just in general have more options, but if you don't start your kids from the beginning, their kindergarten years, then sometimes it's harder to get into the special programs and forget about having all of three kids being in a special program. Um, yeah. And so we decided to Actually, the job that I got where Melissa, you and I met was a charter school and all my kids could be there in the same building with me. And that was kind of our same setup that we had yeah. in China. So that was kind of a nice, um, a nice transition. You know, kids were all, we were all together still. That is, that is really nice. Yeah. But it was just, we were just like getting things nose to the ground, getting things done, trying to get furniture, trying to work. I mean, I was working full time and I was teaching eighth grade for the first time. And it was, it was a stressful year. Um, um, I was just trying to make sure my kids were adjusting well and, and um, learning to teach in that downtown experimental school. And, oh, and that was also a year that our principal left, right? And that same day she left in October, I found out that my stepdad had leukemia and here in locally. And so it was, oh, wow. there was high stress. And when you're in those high stress situations, you kind of just do one day at a time, right? Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah. And, and people, I, people advised me that it would take about six months, uh, six months of that really crazy, intense, stressful time. I um, mean, but a, a year total to adjust. And I found that to be true. Mm -hmm. So what time of year did you move back? We moved back at the beginning of the summer. So we had a couple months to kind of figure out where we wanted to live and what schools to put our kiddos in. So is there anything else you want to say about um, some of what's been hard or what was hard about transitioning back? Yeah, the I think the... Probably just the hardest thing was um, trying to support family. And then, so you're supporting kids who are going through culture shock. And my husband, he he was more like, just let's move on. He's more of a move on kind of guy. And then um, also, you know, dealing with my own culture shock and the reverse culture shock. Um, one of the things that was telling was that my, my, one of my sons wrote a Christmas list and all he said was, and I quote, all I want for Christmas is to go back to China where I belong. Aww. And he, you know, and that's what, you know, he did belong there. He belonged in the international school in China and that's where he lived most of his life. And so he wasn't feeling like he belonged here yet. Mm -hmm. This was the only item on my middle son's Christmas wish, wish list and his only prayer request for a full year. Aww. He kept saying, I want to go back to China. And that's what we have. We write the prayer request down. And then if we go back to that little journal that year, it's, I want to go back to China. I want to go back to China. I want to go back to China. He cried every night for the first six weeks after we moved back. And so, mm -hmm. you know, as a parent, you know, this is normal, but it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't make uh, your heart hurt less no. for your child. No. It doesn't make right. their tears dry up, but it's, right. it's what happens. Um, and he's one of our more expressive kids. So he let us know what was going on inside him. Um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. 
anyways, they, and, and they weren't, you know, my kids, we moved to China. There was definitely adjustments for them. Um, and you know, my three-year-old, um, he was, you know, it's hard to be in a class when you don't understand people. Um, but, but now they were older, right? And so now they had relationships yes. that they were conscious of yes. leaving and yes. or more conscious of leaving. And it was, it was more heartbreaking because there was, they had more to lose. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah. I, and one thing that was, um, that was like shocking to me, I guess, was popular culture, right? We have, had not been here in the United States for eight years. And so, um, a lot happens in eight years, right? In popular culture and, and like, for example, we were not privy to the urban slang. And so that way it was shocking mm-hmm. to come back to hear like my kids pick that up and they would bring it home. And I'm like, oh no, don't, you know, don't say that. You know, I just, it sounded so harsh to me. Um, I think I remember one of the, you know, like you say, it's none of your business. And so mm. kids kind of shortened mm-hmm. it to nunya. And so I remember um, oh, yeah. Yeah, one yeah. of my sons coming back and it's like, I don't know if he said it to me or he's like, what's nunya mean? Nunya, you know, like none of your business. And I just yeah. m- remember thinking, gosh, that's rude. You know, I just, I just felt like right. things were so rude. But and you have to yeah. remember that when we were at our international school, most of the small children were English language learners, right? Everybody was, everybody was foreign, but maybe they were Korean learning English or French learning English. Right. And, and so nobody really knew the slang or the cuss words. And but now we were back and now we're back. And like my kids are learning that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, and I just, you know, yeah. I want them to be, they sound educated and I want them to be proper. And <laughs> like, this isn't helping. Yeah. Yes, um, that would be an adjustment. I, I think that um, it's like, I, you know, I used the illustration of a, a, an awkward toddler from when we adjusted to Beijing. And there was a bit of that um, when I came back, but it, so I can still use the metaphor of layers. So like I had to establish layers again, right? So like rekindling old friendships, making new ones, and also gaining gaining a reputation, right? Like people didn't know me anymore. They didn't know the quality of work that I could do. And, um, yeah. and so it takes time. And then also... I've actually hopped around jobs a lot, trying to figure out my spot and like my place as a mom, my place as a professional and like how that all works with my family. And so it's like, I didn't, it's been, it took me a long time to find it, to, to kind of settle down on a job. And then only when you stay in one place for very long, can you develop a good reputation? And so, yeah, I felt, I felt flaky. I felt, um, yeah. And you're laughing. Because yes, no, you, you know, know what I mean. Because I understand completely. <laughs> yes, and and you guys, yeah. when Melissa, I was, we were we were together at our my first job, and then a couple years later, I had changed jobs, and then changed jobs again to where she was working again, and then. Um, I had like confessed on a Zoom meeting that I had worked on this place at this place. And I'm like, oh, but I'll stay here, you know? And I felt like, gosh, I'm such a, I sound like such a flake, you know, that I've changed jobs so much. And she wrote me this, I don't know, sweetest email or text that was like, you know what? It took me a long time to find my place again after coming back from overseas. Mm-hmm. And yes. that just meant the world to me. That's like, oh, I'm not a flake. It, this is normal to be like, not know where you fit anymore. And yeah. Takes time to yeah. find your place. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, well, that will definitely come out in my story when I tell my story in our next um, couple of episodes. Because, yeah, it is it is disorienting in every way <laughs> to move from you know, from one country to another, and especially when it involves different continents. And yeah, yeah it's so it, it does take time to re-establish some kind of equilibrium. Yeah. So, so speaking of, um, you know, it being helpful to hear other people's stories, which is why, you know, this and this is part of why we're doing this podcast. But tell us, um, do you have any other stories about something that helped you during those transition seasons and or something that has helped you since then? Well, I mean, kind of started in on that. Um, Melissa, you are so helpful. And so there are key people that have helped the transition. Um, some of them I've had to seek out, but some of them God just kind of put in my in my circle. And one of them was Melissa. Um, and I felt like she could understand me because she had recently moved back from uh, a period of time in Peru with her family. And even just like understanding nods and understanding text or a book, you know, and um, her son befriended my son. Mm-hmm. It just, those encouragements just really helped um, and then another thing that helped was that our organization, which I really respect, um, as, as kind of like, um, help us to transition back to our home countries. They sent us a welcome home package, which included a book called Returning Well by Melissa Chaplin. And it's a workbook that has you reflect on all the wonderful and hard things of your experience abroad. And then the wonderful and hard things about coming home. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated going through that workbook because it gave me the time and the space to write things down. Mm. And it also gave helpful guidance for getting back to a new normal. Um, Another thing I appreciate about the book is that it has you pick a person with whom to share your thoughts after each section. Mm. And I actually, um, I asked my new neighbor to be that person. So it was so neat because we were renting a home across from Eileen. And I hope she, I hope she's one of our guests. Um, and she's Indonesian American and raised mostly in Indonesia, but then did undergraduate studies in California. But then she went to Sweden for her graduate work and then she had to come back, you know? And so she knows what it's like to move to a new place and then move back specifically to the U S and, um, and so she, I asked her if she would, you know, be my sounding board once a month and like, the book suggests you share certain parts of, you know, the sections and things. And she just um, was really, she listened well and she knew what I was going through, you know? And so I just, that really helped. And she continues to be a good friend Hmm. to this day because of it. Um, Another thing that was really, that's been really helpful. And actually Eileen suggested it. She said, you know, why don't, you know, why don't you go back? Why don't you go back to Wuhan for a visit? And I was like, okay. And um, we thought about it and we did it. We, I took my three boys during, it had almost been two years since we'd moved back to the United States. And then on a whirlwind trip, we went to Wuhan, China for um, 11 days. 
And it happened that our spring break here was they weren't on vacation there. So school was actually in session. Oh. And that's what we wanted to go to because the oh, school yeah. was our everything. Yeah. Right. The school was our that obviously provider of education, but it was our place of employment. It was our social circle. And so that's who we wanted. That's where we wanted to be and who we wanted to see. Yes. And so not only was um, the kids, so the kids were actually allowed to attend class with their peers. And that was, that was, I've I've heard that's kind of some like a MO, right? Like um, that some people, like when kids go back to their international school, like they'll be allowed to go back into the classroom and and hang out in, you know, within reason. Because international schools get it. I'm guessing more yeah. so than other schools would. Like they would understand the value right. of that for kids coming back to visit. Yes, because usually um, families will work internationally in one country for about three years and then they move. And so um, that there's like this cycle, right? Yeah. Of a three year cycle. And so people are always coming, but people are always going. And that mm-hmm. means kids are always coming and always going. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it's just a really um, nice way for international schools to welcome back other kids and to make them, help them to make, reconnect with wherever they've lived. Um, we stayed with friends. The kids, like I said, were allowed to attend class. And that meant that I had some time to spend having a coffee with friends. And um, some people had already left, right? Mm-hmm. Because expatriates come and go. Sure. But it was really good closure for all of us, knowing that the school was not exactly the same as it was when we left, mm-hmm. and um, but we could still get around and appreciate the things that stayed the same. And um, it's kind of like we went full circle, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it was that was 2019, and then the next year was 2020, and it was COVID. Uh. And so I'm just super grateful that Eileen suggested that because. I mean, Wuhan, right? We were going right. to Wuhan. That's where we lived. And right. There's no way we could have. I mean, even now, the tickets are so expensive to go. And even though it, China's opening up now, um, it's difficult to get back. Um, okay, another thing Another thing that helped was people came to visit us. So we um, we made a trip up to, like, a trip to Oregon to see some people we knew from China. But then also people from China came to visit us. Mm-hmm. And so that was just really sweet, you know, mm-hmm. like our really good friends came and stayed with us for three weeks um, after our first year back in in the United States. And it just like, it reminds me of who you are. It reminds us of who we were, you know, like we're still connected to these people. These people still care for us, you know, yes. even though we're not living in the same country anymore. And um, mm. yeah, so th- that's, that was really special. And, and then there's some, and then since then, before COVID, we had a couple other families either send their kids to, you know, hang out with us for a while or, um, or they've come to visit. So we're really thankful for those opportunities to spend with people. Mm, That's special. When we get to have people from one of, you know, from one of our other worlds come see us in the other space and vice versa, it is just such a, it's such a sweet thing. Yes. For sure. And that's how we felt when people visit us in China, right? right? Like when family would come and visit us and we could show them China, we just felt like, yeah, oh, it was the, the best thing in the world. It brings all your parts of yourself together in a different way. Yeah. Yes. Pay 
pick one of these closing questions to answer. So we have um, three questions for you to choose from. What rhythms do you have in place which allow you to remember your time abroad? What do you do with all the feelings, memories, relationships, and love for the place and people? Or do you have a favorite funny story about your time abroad or transition back? I'll do, I'll do what rhythms do you have in place which allow you to remember your time abroad? How's that? Okay. Okay. So yeah. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit about what, what are some of the rhythms that you and your family have in place which help you to remember your time abroad? All right. So we always celebrate Chinese New Year. We have hot pot. And then we try to invite some people over that may, somehow maybe might be connected to China or just, you know, friends that we want to share that part with. Um, mm-hmm. I usually give a Christmas gift that helps my kids to remember their time there. So like whether it be a, like a dragon boat festival Lego or um, or even even not, not necessarily a thing that has to do with China, but um, maybe that stage in their life, like children's books that we had to leave mm. in China and we couldn't bring back with us. So I purchased oh, yeah. it here. Um, there was even this nativity scene set. It was a Playmobil set that somebody let us borrow. And um, of course, we, we it wasn't ours, so we didn't keep it. But then I found it here and I remember, reminded them of their time in China also. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I um, usually when we go and visit places, um, we usually meet with somebody that we knew in China. And um, and that's been really sweet because it's just not only are you seeing a cool place, but you're reconnecting with cool people. And that yeah. helps us, too. Um, we Our house has decorations from China. Um, my boys often complain how nothing matches in our house. And... <laughs> But I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay that this pillowcase is from Mexico and the wall hangings are from China. And But that's what makes it awesome. You know, like, that's our house. My kids complain about the random decorations that we have. But I always say, you can decorate your house someday however you want. And it will be gorgeous. And I will come visit. And in the meantime, my house will continue to be a little bit of a, a cultural global museum but that makes me happy so yeah too bad that's exactly what i say if you want to do a cowboy theme in your house you can do that (laughs) (laughs) are there any other rhythms that your family has tried to put in place i mean like i this is a little bit of a a loss part uh but i wished i i mean i wish i could have kept their chinese up um i wished i could have kept their piano lessons up Um, but we left our piano there and then we just recently got it again so there's definitely there are gains and losses right when we Mm -hmm. move places and so um and it's okay I mean I'm it's okay to mourn the loss right like hopefully and my kids aren't like yeah I want to keep learning Chinese but maybe maybe when they're in college they'll say you know what I should I right that that little bit of language that I that I gleaned in China is important in this world and maybe I should pick it up again. Right. And And if they make that choice down the road, it will still be easier for them to learn than it would, you know, if they didn't have it. (laughs) (laughs) If they didn't have it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Oh, so it's so good. And what I love about listening to you tell your stories and what I think is our true, you know, desire in even hosting and creating this podcast is that when I hear you tell your stories, it reminds me of parallels and similar experiences that I've had and um, which in some cases, you know, it might be things that were also hard, but in other cases, it's things that have brought me joy and it brings me joy to remember those pieces of my story that maybe I haven't thought about in a long time. And so I hope that that is the case for all of you out there that are listening to us, um, that if you have also spent time living in another country and possibly, you know, whether you are still living in a different uh, country from where you grew up or whether you are um, have repatriated back to your home country after living overseas, um, you know, we just hope that you find connections and things that also uh, maybe you haven't thought about in a long time, but that, that bring you some joy as you think about them. So, Tracy, do you have any last words of encouragement or advice that you want to give to our listeners? Yes. I want to tell them that it takes a long time to adjust back and make a new normal. So please know that what you are going through is might be hard, and it is hard, and to name it so. And find a person to talk to. If um, Find a friend. Um, find somebody who's had a similar overseas experience and go through that Melissa Chaplin book if you if you can and um, share it. It's just so important to process all this and it's so valuable. What you've gone through is so valuable. Um, and if you need counseling, get professional counseling because we want we want to be healthy people with all of this baggage that we have, but we want to unpack it because we want to hang it up again in our, wherever we are, right? Because it's beautiful. Yeah. Whatever baggage we have needs to be unpacked, aired out and, and unwrinkled, you know, and it sometimes it takes time to iron all that stuff out. Mm-hmm. I also, um, I, I loved getting to know my global neighbors you know, overseas. And we have global neighbors in our home countries too. And so I think that I want to encourage you to, to, for whatever you have, like you've got these gifts now of these experiences and, and to share that and to try to figure out how can you can, how can you apply those gifts to where you are right now? Because they're valuable and you don't want to hide them. That is, that is really good. Yeah. That is really good advice. I appreciate that. Thank you, Tracy. As we land this interview, we hope that you have been inspired by Tracy's round trip stories. She encouraged listeners to take the necessary time to unpack their own stories, which often come with baggage. Even so, she says that each of our experiences are gifts and that we should air them out, hang them up somewhere and see where they fit again in our new place. We don't want to hide these gifts of global understanding and beauty. They and you make the world a better place. And no matter what leg of the journey you're on, we are grateful you have brought us along with you. Join us here again next week to hear Melissa's round trip stories. 
Don't miss part one as she shares her stories from Peru. Want to be part of future conversations? Join our email list and get the podcast equivalent of TSA PreCheck, including a sneak peek at upcoming topics and an invitation to share your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. See the link in the show notes to sign up. And if you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider sharing it with your fellow globetrotting friends? We would love to encourage them too. Thanks so much for listening, friends. We'll see you next time.